Uh, Lord also did speak about uh, uh, the judgment of the saints in Matthew 19, verse 28 and 29. He said, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration, now that's talking about the resurrection of the dead, um, when the Son of Man sits on the throne in his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And so our Lord is just talking around the, the judgment that the saints will incur on their day of judgment and the rewards that they will receive for the work that they've done. Um, and our Lord was speaking about the twelve thrones, um, talking about his twelve apostles of the Lamb. Because Peter had asked him, Lord, you know what's in it for us? We've left everything for you. And our Lord said, this is what's going to take place, guys. And then in Luke's Gospel, our Lord speaks around it as well. Luke 19, verse 17 and 19, he says, And he said to them, Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful over a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. And so there is going to be rewards that will be given out by our Lord on our day of judgment. So the, the church will enter into her day of judgment at this time, while the wrath of God is being poured out on the earth. Then the next event that will take place, as far as the church is concerned, is that she will at that time, after she's been judged, and all of the saints have received their rewards from the Lord, then the, the, the church will ascend into heaven, and she will experience the marriage of the Lamb. That's when we will be married to our Lord Jesus Christ as our eternal bridegroom. And we will be the bride of Christ for all eternity. Well, we will then be the wife of Christ, obviously. Um, so it's at that time. So it's again, during this three-year period, don't forget, we're in eternity, no time in eternity. So although there's a roughly three years occurring on the earth, we're in a different um, space com uh, completely. Revelation 19 verse 5 to 9 says, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunder and saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Blessed, um, right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saints of God. And so it's at that time, first the, the judgment, then we ascend into heaven, and then the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, and the marriage of the Lamb takes place. And the church will then be joined to the Lord Jesus for all eternity after that. After that, then the church will come back to the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and we then come back to the earth for our Lord's, the Bible doesn't call it three, but it's his millennial reign. His reign on the earth for 1,000 years. The Bible does very clearly in Revelation 20 speak about our Lord's reign on the earth for 1,000 years. 
And so the church returns with the Lord now as the bride of Christ, as the wife of Christ, as his queen. So he comes back to the earth as king, and the church returns with him as queen. And so we will reign with our Lord for that 1,000 year period on the earth. Now when we return to the earth, um, there's not a, <laughs> not a, oh, a huge welcoming party. Uh, for the church and our Lord when we return to the earth. Um, it's actually, actually um, a, a very hostile um, reception, so much so that a battle takes place, and it's called the Battle of Armageddon. Um, and let's just have a look at the, a couple of passages of Scripture that just talk around this issue. Revelation 16, verse 13 to 16. Uh, the Apostle John writing, he says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Verse 16, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And so, um, Again, the timeline, this teaching is not a detailed teaching on the last days. I do have a couple of series that deal with that, because there's a lot of ground that you have to cover to understand it all. But anyway, what happens is the wrath of God is poured out for this three, just short of three years on the earth. Um, the church is away, she's been judged, she then, uh, after her judgment, she ascends into heaven and the marriage of the Lamb takes place. Then the Lord returns to the earth with his church. Now, at the end of the wrath of God being poured out, what happens is this event takes place in that Satan, the false prophet, and the, the Antichrist send out demons into the earth and they gather the whole fourth kingdom to, together because they're in anticipation that, all right, now Jesus is coming back to the earth. Um, because don't forget, Satan does know some things of what's going to take place. So what he does is he gathers together the, this whole fourth kingdom, and they are quite a powerful army. Um, the fourth kingdom, just briefly, will be roughly about 1.1 billion people at that time. If our Lord was to return in 2050, he's not returning in 2050. But again, just for teaching purposes, you know, I'm putting those numbers together just makes it easier for us to understand. So that fourth kingdom would be roughly about 1.1 billion people. Now the army will not be 1.1 billion strong, could be quite a few hundred million strong, obviously, um, but it won't be the whole uh, of the fourth kingdom. Again, I'm not going to touch on any detail there. So they gather together at this place called Armageddon, and they're waiting for the Lord to return because they want it. Declare war on God. It's kind of weird that that's, what, that's exactly what transpired. Don't forget, we're talking about powerful beings. Satan's not a, 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 a weak creation of God. He's a very powerful being. The Antichrist, the false prophet, they, they have access to supernatural powers. And so they are able to deceive this fourth kingdom. Guys, we get, we'll have an army and we'll be able to defeat uh, Jesus when he comes to the earth. So that's what they're waiting for when our Lord returns. The Revelation 19, verse 11 to 21, it talks around our Lord coming back and then this battle that actually takes place, which is not it's pretty much a one-sided battle. Um, again, the scripture says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Obviously, this is our Lord Jesus Christ. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with the robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now we know that Jesus is the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now that's his bride, because we are now married to the Lamb, and we return with him. Um, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lord Jesus. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword that proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. And so, as I say, there's a hostile um, um, reception for our Lord when he does return to the earth. Because you have Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet with their armies. And they're waiting for the Lord at this place called Armageddon. Um, kind of interesting, our Lord returns to the Mount of Olives. And there's a great earthquake when he does return. And the valley is split in two. And so what our Lord then does is he moves his army. Because... Armageddon is roughly about 100 kilometers north of Jerusalem. So our Lord returns to the city of Jerusalem just outside. And so he moves his army up to Armageddon sorry, um, to deal with uh, Satan, the Antichrist, and his army. Now that, because they're waiting for our Lord at that place. When our Lord gets there, as I say, um, the, the battle is pretty much one-sided because um, our Lord destroys him with the breath of his mouth, the sword that comes out of his mouth. The, the prophet Zechariah gives us a very detailed description of what transpires. Their bodies just dissolve. But again, we say, as we said, uh, the, the false prophet and the Antichrist are cast alive into the lake of fire brimstone because they can't be killed. And so even our Lord's, the sword that proceeds out of our Lord's mouth, although it can destroy the flesh of the armies of the Antichrist, he can't, he can't kill them. Their flesh can't be destroyed because they're immortal. God has created them as immortal beings. And so they're cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. What happens at that time as well is that Satan and all of his angels, all of the demons in the earth, are then bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, the Bible talks about. And when they are bound, well, then life becomes just a little bit more tolerable on the earth. I know I'm kind of... It's not... It becomes quite... Fantastic on the earth, uh, because you know all of Satan's influence is removed from the earth. Every addiction will be removed, because all addictions are demonic uh, in, in, in nature. And so all of those demons are removed, so all addictions are removed. Um, all sickness and all of, all of that kind of stuff is removed from the earth, because Satan and his uh, demons are taken out of the earth. But, and so the saints will then reign 
with our Lord Jesus from the, the, the city of Jerusalem. Now, the city of Jerusalem will be the focal point where our Lord will be based because he will reign from that temple. Um, but the whole Middle East will then be um, occupied by the saints because the, the church currently, and by that time, again, 2050, we're just talking around that number, will be about um, 250 million strong. That's a lot of people. 250 million people are not going to fit into current Israel, just far too small. And so the, the church will um, occupy that whole Middle East area because that whole Middle East area falls under the fourth kingdom and they're the ones who will be wanting to uh, fight against the Lord when he does return. So our Lord destroys them. And so the church inherits all of their land. Um, and so the church will be housed there. That's where she will be based. And then the Lord will begin to, uh, his millennial reign. For 1,000 years, our Lord will reign on the earth from the city of Jerusalem. God the Father will still be on his throne in heaven during that time. But the Lord will be in Jerusalem. The church will be in Jerusalem and around the Jerusalem area. That's where she will be out. And we will be reigning over the inhabitants of the earth. So there's still going to be roughly about four, four and a half billion unbelievers living on the earth over which the church will reign during that time. It's going to be an interesting time. It's completely different to what we understand today. There will be no vehicles. There will be no planes. There will be no internet. There will be... The, the earth will revert back to um, the kind of lifestyle that was in place when Jesus first came to the earth. That's the kind of... Uh, infrastructure that will be in place and that is what will be available to people to live on in in the earth it's not going to be no TV no radios no computers no nothing like that um, and so the unbelievers will all have to revert to farming because that's how that society lived in those days and that's how the society will live under the reign of our Lord when he returns to the earth Revelation 24 to 6 says and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, or had not received the mark on their foreheads and on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has party in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. And so we will be priests unto the Lord from that place, and we will reign over the earth from that place. Now the rest of the earth will be then, because of this reign, our Lord, the Bible says, He will rule over them with a rod of iron. So it's not going to be a happy time for the unbelievers. Because you must understand, even though Satan and all of his uh, demons have been removed from the earth, mankind is still in his fallen state. Mankind, the, the, the Bible talks about the carnal mind is enmity against God, is not subject to the law of God, nor, nor indeed can be. And so when the Lord comes to the earth and he now introduces his reign on the earth in righteousness, it's going to be a hard thing for the, the carnal unbelievers to bow down to because 
their natural inclination is still to be against God. Uh, it's not going to be that you know, now Jesus is on the earth, everybody's going to be flocking to want to serve him. Not at all. Um, they're going to serve him, but pretty much reluctantly, which is why the, the reign at that time is worth a rod of iron. Look at uh, the, the prophet Zechariah, he gives us some insight into that period of reign. Zechariah 14, verse 16 to 19 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, so there's going to be a whole bunch of nations left over after the Battle of Armageddon. Not everybody gets destroyed. Uh, which came against Jerusalem, shall go up from year to year to worship the King and Lord of hosts, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is one of the feasts. All of the feasts will be kept by the church at that time. The new moons will be kept. The Sabbaths will be kept. Um, but in, in um, perfection. So not the, the type and the shadow that the Jewish nation have been exposed to. We will uh, keep it in perfection. But the Feast of Tabernacles will be a feast that the whole world will be required to observe once a year. Um, now the whole world, the whole, because I mean, don't forget, we're looking at a population of roughly four, four and a half billion people. They won't all come to Jerusalem. They will send their representatives, their, the leaders of their nations, to come and worship before the king at that time. But they're, they're required to come to Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now look at the consequence um, for those who choose not to, because they still have their free will. They will still be pretty much in rebellion, kind of. They're not really willingly bowing their knee to Jesus. They have to, because He is now God in the earth. Uh, verse 17 says, And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King and the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the, the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And so very clearly, there's going to be nations that are still going to be quite rebellious. And, you know, we're not going to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, there's going to be punishment that they will then incur because they now are not bowing their knee to the Lord. And so that's, that's something we need to understand, that when our Lord does reign on the earth, although He will be reigning in righteousness, the earth's not going to really be receptive to that. They will bow their knee, but they will bow their knee unwillingly. They will bow their knee forced. It's going to, our Lord will rule with a rod of iron. And so punishment will be forthcoming on the nations that choose not to bow their knee to the, the laws that our Lord places into the earth at that time. And so that is for the period of a thousand years. Now at the end of a thousand years, there is another battle that will then take place. So our Lord's um, start of his millennial reign opens up with the battle, which is the battle of Armageddon. At the end of our Lord's thousand year reign, there is now one more battle that will take place. And it's at that battle that the rest of the unbelievers will then be destroyed, kind of. And we pick it up in Revelation 20, verse 7 to 10. So we've now reached the end of the thousand-year reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what takes place at that time. Um, the scripture says, Now when the thousand years have expired, um, so it's 
obviously our Lord's reign, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, uh, to gather them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. I've said there are roughly four and a half billion people on the earth. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. Now, the camp of the saints is that Middle East area where the church will be housed. Um, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then Ezekiel gives us a bit more insight into this particular battle. Ezekiel 39, 1-6 says, And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh and Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. And you shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey for every sword and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord, and I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so we see at the end of our Lord's millennial reign, what happens is, because don't forget, Satan and his angels during our Lord's millennial reign uh, have been bound in the bottomless pit. Uh, they don't go, they don't get judged at that time. At the end of the thousand year reign, God lets them out of the bottomless pit. They go out into all the earth and they then begin to deceive the nations. You guys can take on these, um, this, these saints of God. You can take on this um, Jesus and you can destroy them. And they believe that. They're deceived into believing that lie. And so they gather together as a massive army coming against and they surround the camp of the saints. That whole Middle East area surrounded by um, Gog and Magog and his army to come and uh, destroy Jesus and his army. Now at that time, it's God the Father who then destroys Gog and Magog. Fire comes down from heaven and they are completely destroyed. And that now closes off mankind on the earth. There are no more um, unbelievers alive on the earth. All of them are then destroyed. And it is at that time that then the second resurrection takes place. <clears throat> and this is now the judgment of the unbelievers that will then take place. And we pick that up in Revelation 20, 11 to 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we have very clearly, this is now everybody else. So the church has really been raised from the dead. She's received her resurrected bodies. A thousand years later, now the judgment of the whole world takes place. 
earth and, and the, the old earth and the heavens are done away with, God will, after this judgment, God will create the new heavens and the new earth. We're not going to touch on that. But here we have the whole of creation. Hell and Hades the empty are emptied out. So everybody who's down there now, all of them are pulled up. This is their resurrection. They are raised to, and Jesus called it, a resurrection of condemnation. They've all already been condemned. Uh, there's no judgment here as to, is anybody going to be um, saved or not? No, because they've all already been condemned. They do refer to the book of life during this judgment. It's purely so that, you know, God doesn't want to make any mistakes. Is his name in the book of life? No, he's not. Okay, he's condemned. So what this judgment is a sentencing judgment. So they've been condemned. You think about a court of law. They've been found guilty. Then after that, the judge goes away and decides on what the, 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 the sentence will be. And so later on, there's a, another court appearance. And there's representation by legal sides, you know, mercy or, you know, uh, harshness, whatever, and the judge then decides. So the, the, the guilty verdict has been pronounced. This judgment is the sentencing judgment because now it will be determined uh, what punishment each one will receive for all eternity. And that's what this judgment is all about. D Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10 says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the ancient days were seated, talking about God our Father. His garment was as white as snow. And the hairs of his head were like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, and its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Now, the court is the ones that will actually pronounce judgment on the unbelievers. Not God the Father. God the Father will be overseen it, and the Lamb, Jesus, our Lord, will be sitting next to Him. So whereas when the church was uh, entered into judgment, we entered into judgment with our Lord one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus judges the church individually. But on this day, it is in fact the church that judges Satan and his angels and all of the unbelievers. God the Father and God the Son will sit at the back watching the proceedings. It is the church that will open the books, and pronounce judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3 says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels, speaking about Satan and his angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And so, at the second resurrection, all will be brought before the great white throne of God. And the church will be sit, seated before the throne, facing the unbelievers, and they will be brought forth, and the church will pronounce judgment on them based on what is recorded in the books. God the Father and God the Son will be sitting behind us, watching the proceedings. And each one of them will then be judged for all eternity. All of them will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, because all of them, their names are not recorded in the book of life. But what will be pronounced on them at that day is the degree of punishment they will incur for the rest of eternity. That is the second resurrection. Our Lord called it the resurrection of condemnation. And um, that's as far as we're going to go with the teaching on the resurrection of the dead. Those are the two uh, resurrections. That's what this doctrine is all about. And we're going to end the teaching on that point. Amen.